Um, they loved Jesus. There were people that were uh, caught in the act of adultery. There were people that were drunks. There were people that were broken. Their families were dysfunctional. There were people that were blind and lame. People loved Jesus. People loved Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people would gather to be near Jesus. They loved Jesus. They would sit out in the intense sun while the, it was just beating down on them on a hillside, waiting for Jesus to show up. They would listen to him for hours. People loved Jesus. There's a story in the Bible I'm sure you're very well aware of that uh, Jesus was in a house and So some people got up on the roof and they started to dig through that thatched roof and claw their way through it so that they could lower their friend down because they wanted him to have the opportunity to be close to Jesus. People loved Jesus. Maybe you remember that Jesus would walk down crowded streets and people would push in and try to get close to him. And on one occasion, a guy named Zacchaeus, he climbs up in a tree and he's trying desperately to see. Jesus. When Jesus was moving through Jerusalem and in that area, people loved Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. Why? Why? Why did people love Jesus? Why did people want to see Jesus? Here's why. Jesus gave people hope. Jesus was their hope. The hope that Jesus could change their present life. The hope that Jesus could change their present life. They were doing life in the present and they saw Jesus and they had put their hope that he could change their present life. Their life was hard. Jesus could make it better. That Jesus could change them. He could make the blind see Uh, Jesus could make those who were lost to find way in life and they would be lost no more. They would be found. There were those who were discouraged, but when they found Jesus, they had a sense of joy in their life. Jesus could take them from where they were to where they wanted to be. They had put their hope in Jesus. Jesus could change them. Jesus was hope for them. And Jesus is the same today. However, we don't live back then. Back then, people loved Jesus. People wanted to see Jesus. But we live in a different time. And our culture is more enlightened. I mean, we have electricity and we have the internet and we have indoor plumbing and So clearly, uh, science has advanced us as a culture, and our culture is just more probably intellectual, more able. More people can read now than could read then, and culture is uh, different now. People then loved Jesus, and they wanted to see Jesus, and Jesus offered them hope, but today, our culture 
and a lot of bad religion. If you were here last week, we talked about bad religion. We talked about people put their faith in a God that they sort of define for themselves, even though it's not a God that's defined in Scripture. And if you want to learn more or see more about that, and you didn't, we weren't here last week, you can go online, you can watch that, and we talked about bad religions. And But our culture and a lot of bad religions have tried to recast Jesus as old-fashioned. Our culture today would say that, you know, I, uh, maybe I remember going to church with my grandma and she took me to a vacation Bible school when I was a kid, but church, that's just not my thing. And, and they, they want to sort of present a brand new message. And the message of today is uh, Jesus, well, he is no longer relevant. Uh, Jesus was relevant then in the old days, but Jesus is not uh, relevant uh, today. People back then, you really can't blame them for putting their hope in Jesus because he could offer them a better life. But uh, we have a myriad of things that we can put our hope in that's not Jesus. And the culture would say you probably even should put your hope in those things that are not Jesus because they just make more sense. People put their hope in their money. Everybody wants a better job. Everybody wants to get paid more. Everybody wants to have a level of comfort in their life. And it's very clear that money solves most problems because it's very clear that all rich people, I mean, people that are super famous and super wealthy, those people never struggle. Uh, they, they never have any family issues. Those people never commit suicide. They are the most happy people on earth. They're never addicted to any kind of drugs or alcohol because money, when you have that kind of money, all of you, you should put your hope in money. Just in case you're not clear, that's sarcasm. People will put their money in, or put their hope in their money, or they'll also put their hope in their own abilities. Um, I am smart enough. Uh, I have proven myself to be capable enough. And so whatever problem or trouble might come my way, I can outsmart that. And if I see it coming, I can dodge and move. And, and I can take care of my own problems. I am self-reliant and self-sufficient. And I don't need you. And I don't need big government. And I don't need any of those things. I can take care of me. That's the way you're supposed to do life, right? Is just be self Reliant. We, we get those people back then. They weren't as enlightened. They had to put their hope in something like Jesus. But today we're way ahead of that. Jesus is no longer relevant. We put our hope in our career. Our career is just going to grow. And, you know, we follow the path. And you, you take all the right classes and you get the right education. And you meet the right people. And that will accelerate to a point where you're self-sufficient. And everybody will come around you. And, and they'll think, you know, you're the, you're the man. You're the woman. You're the, you're the person doing the job until, until somebody else over here decides that you're not the one anymore. And then all of a sudden uh, they're asking you to go away. And your replacement comes in. And it took all of those other people about two seconds to now they're the one. And you're on the outs. And if you've ever had a workplace situation where they're kind of pushing you out and you're not quite sure why and you feel like maybe even friends or family. Have you ever had people that were very close to you? turn on you? Have you ever had family? Put your hope in your family. They'll, they'll never turn on you. They'll always have your best interest in mind and they will never ever do anything against you. But family can, family can be broken. But back in the old days, people loved 
Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. They believed that Jesus would offer them a hope for a better future. Well, let me just say this. Jesus is still relevant. Jesus is, was, and will be. Jesus was God incarnate. That means that Jesus was the Son of God. That means that God Almighty took on flesh. He reduced himself down to within his own skin and lived. He was God then, but he was also the God that created all things. He is still the author of life. He still has all of the answers. He is still relevant. He is current at this very moment. Jesus is in the house. He is here through his spirit. Jesus is relevant. Jesus, he knew that about himself. Jesus was extremely confident in the fact that he was totally relevant at all times, in every situation, wherever he went. He was absolutely relevant, and he was the only hope that anyone ever had on this earth, and he knew that about himself. Jesus talks about it in the book of John, chapter 15, verses 5 through 11. Jesus said, I am the vine, and he said, you, and me, says, we are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Please say, bear much fruit. fruit. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Jesus gives a simple gardening illustration here. Verse 6, he goes on and he says, If anyone does not remain in me, please say, remain in me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Now, yesterday, there were some of us that were kind of doing some work down there, and we smelled smoke. And uh, uh, Roger and Connie were out there burning the ditch because there was a lot of dead stuff down there, and they were burning it off. And that's what happens to the, to the dead stuff. It gets plucked up and burned up. Verse 7, he says, If you, say, if I. Jesus says, If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. Have complete joy from being grafted into Jesus. Now we must first fully understand the significance, the spiritual significance of banana hooks. Y'all got a banana hook? I was at uh, Gabe and Teresa's house Wednesday night for Bible study, and uh, Teresa got a banana hook. Banana hook? Yeah. Anybody else got a banana hook? Got a banana hook? What's a banana? You know, you've seen the little bananas hanging on the hook, and 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 uh, and so you know how do, how do bananas? You know, bananas, bananas, bananas. Um, and so you. Uh, you go to the grocery store and you're going down the aisle and you go over there in the banana section and, and uh, they usually have rows and rows and racks and racks full of these uh, bright green bananas, right? They're really green and then uh, kind of as you move over a little bit, now there's some of them that are kind of green maybe on the ends and they're kind of a little bit yellow towards the center there and kind of move over and then there's some that are kind of bright yellow and, and you buy those bananas and what do you do? You bring those, you bring those bananas home and uh, maybe, maybe you lay them on the counter there where they get a little bit of sunlight and, uh, and you watch and and they get more and more bright yellow, really bright yellow. But that, you don't eat them yet, do you? You, you wait because you know what's going to happen next. They're going to start to get the little brown spots on them, right? What are those spots called? Sugar spots, right? They're the sugar spots on the bananas because you know when those when they're all freckly and spotted like that, that's when they're that's when they're best, right? They're uh, they're kind of like that. But you but you know this, you know this. At least at least some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about here because uh, sometimes you, you leave those bananas there for a while and and they kind of go from being just a few brown spots to being one big brown spot, right? And uh, and then you, some of you guys have left them there long enough uh, that uh, they they just turn black. Right, and and when they're there and they're black, and you know the little gnats that kind of start showing up. Anybody else here want to admit that you've had a banana long enough that you've had the little gnats start showing up on the bananas? And uh, some of you guys are just too proud, right? And and the little gnats start to fly around that thing and buzz. And if you let them sit there long enough, and then all of a sudden you see it kind of it gets a little crack in it, and then the inside of the banana starts to become the outside of the banana, and it starts to ooze out the side of the banana, and they just start to rot, right? The very second that the banana was cut from the tree, it began to die. Our lives apart from Christ are in a state of decay, in a state of hopelessness, not Hopefulness. In Jesus' day, people looked to Jesus because they believed he was their hope for a future. In our culture today, Jesus looks at all of us in this room and outside of the rest of the room and very confidently says, I am still your only hope. Jesus is that hope. Jesus says, remain in me. What does that mean? It means continue to exist in. Continue to exist in Christ. What does it mean to live in Christ, to be grafted into Christ so that you don't rot? What does it mean? Well, it kind of means this. A few points I want to make here. You can write these things down in your bulletin. 
Point number one, to those of you that are Christians, to those that are your Christ follower, Christians, 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 question, are you connected or are you disconnected? Connected or disconnected? If you are a Christ follower, you should, write this down, have a regular study time. Have a regular study time. That means read your Bible. That means have a Bible devotion time. That means be a part of a Bible study. I was telling the guys in the uh, Bible study, the Tuesday morning Bible study, we've got Wednesday night Bible studies and Tuesday morning uh, guys uh, Bible study. And I was telling them, I kind of discovered this new thing this year that I've been doing. I'm very uh, routine oriented. First thing I do is I get out of bed and I walk straight to the cereal bowl and I park that thing down and just fill it up full of something good and sugary. And, uh, and so then I, I park that down there and I plop open my laptop and then uh, I go to YouTube. I go straight to YouTube and uh, you can, uh, I, I listen to the New Living Translation and on YouTube, maybe you all know that there's that feature on there where you can slow it down or you can speed it up, you know. And so what I've been doing is uh, I've been speed listening through the Bible, speed listening through the Bible. And so you can listen to like the book of Galatians in like seven minutes, boom. And it's coming at you fast. Now, it doesn't change the pitch. It comes at you, but you got you to gotta listen. You got to listen. Now, here's what I know. Most of us can't read the book of Galatians in seven minutes. But most of us, when we read, we you kind of go so far, and then there's something that will get distracted. You got to focus for seven minutes, and then all of a sudden, you get, you get the flyover view. And you get, oh, I kind of see there's a theme there. There's a format there. And then if you like uh, some of the Old Testament books, the um, Chronicles or if you like uh, Kings and, and you listen to those, and you know there's all those Bible stories in there. You listen to Daniel. You know that there's Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where do those all fit in? You speed. You can speed listen to it, and it just pull you right through that book. And, and so that's just kind of a, it's a different way to approach it. Instead of uh, sometimes when you read, it goes slow, and you kind of go, but you, it's just an option, an option. I tell you about that. I discovered I kind of like it, kind of like it. And I don't think that that's a replacement for all of the other things or anything like that. But if you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, are you connected? The way that you remain in him is you spend time in the word and with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then write this one down. Have fruit. Jesus said when you are remaining in Jesus, you will produce much fruit. You will have fruit. There will be, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident. There will be evidence in your life that you are, in fact, a Christ follower. And so uh, you can see right underneath on your bulletin there where it says have fruit. Then there's some lines that are just kind of blank lines in there. I'm going to read, I want to read uh, to you these three kind of questions that kind of build a little bit on each other a little bit. And then I want you, and then I'm going to be really quiet and awkward. I'm going to give you a moment to answer, to write down the answer to that question. Here's kind of the first one is just kind of frame it up here a little bit. Write down a way your hope in Jesus has been proven out. Think about that. Because I'm a Christ follower and I'm grafted in, the evidence of my faith is, the proving out of my faith is, another way that we could kind of phrase that same question is, um, what has Jesus rescued you from? Maybe you were on a certain path. But because you grafted yourself into Jesus, Jesus rescued you, and maybe that's a maybe that's the same answer to the other a question. Or here's another way to ask that question: Why are you better with Christ? 
We would call this evidence that you are a Christian, evidence that you are grafted in. What is that evidence that you are a Christ follower? I'm going to be really, really quiet, and you've got to think about something. You're going to write that down. Go. Part of being in Christ is that there is evidence that you are grafted in and producing spiritual fruit in your life, and there will be evidence that Christ is helping you. He is relevant today, and He's working in you. And I'll write this one down. Fruit falls off. Fruit falls off. Fruit falls off. When the fruit is ripe, it naturally falls off, right? I mean, that's why, you know, the, the trees, they, they produce the seed, right? And uh, there's evidence of it. You know, you can kind of look at an apple tree, and you know it's an apple tree because there's apples on it. But then uh, somewhere around there, there's going to be another apple tree. Well, how did that apple tree get started? Well, it was because uh, that first apple tree made the seed that got ripe, and then it fell to the ground, and then maybe a bird picked it up and carried it somewhere else, or whatever the case might be. But then it just continues to mull. Fruit falls off. It doesn't just stay clung to the vine but it falls off and it goes out there and it produces more fruit. Fruit falls off. Attached fruit gets ripe, falls off. But ripe fruit reproduces. That's Listen to this, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You're being sent. That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. You know what that is? That's nice ripe apple, a nice ripe banana, a nice ripe orange being delivered to the person, and they say, thank you for sharing your fruit with me. And they should be able to say, and I see the evidence of the fruit in you. That's why Jesus said, Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are supposed to produce fruit. So back to your bulletin. There's a little space there. It says name. Write down the name of someone. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Easter is coming. A lot of people just have a natural propensity. Yeah, I'm going to church on Easter. Whether they want to or not, they'll go. So maybe you 
can invite someone to Easter. We're to produce fruit. Produce fruit. As we wrap things up, in order to remain in Christ, in order to continue in Christ, you must first start. You got to start. You got to start. I don't know where all of your spiritual journeys are, but you have to start. You have to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is relevant, and I accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. He is to be the director and the Lord and the guide of my life, and I appreciate what He has done for me in His uh, atoning work on the cross, that He paid the price for my sins, and I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior, and I want to be a Christ follower, and I want to show everybody that I want to be a Christ follower by being baptized into Him, dying to myself, and being raised again, a new person, to live and follow Jesus. If you've never done that, that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you. We can sit down and talk about what it is to be baptized into Christ. I would like that. Where are you with your journey with Christ? Grafted in or on the outside? Cut off the vine, slowly in decay, grafted in to the one with deep roots to the Father for nourishment. Where are you at? Where are you at? Jesus asks us to do something when we get together to remind us that he wants to be grafted into us and that we want to be grafted into him. It's called communion. We take communion because the emblems that are there that Jesus tells us about in the cup and in the bread or Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us and he says, remain in me. And he says, as often as you get together or when you get together, he says, do this and remember me. Regraft in, retap in, get connected, be a part of me. He says, commune with one another and have communion with me. And that's what we're going to do now. And so let me say this. If you're on the fence, if you're not sure that Jesus is the guy for you, and you're holding him at arm's length, and you're not really sure, I want you to know, communion is not for you. We just ask that you sit quietly and uh, respect those that are around you, but communion is really not for you. But if Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, and you desire to be grafted into him, participate in communion. If you've been here for a while, you know that we have stations here and the communion emblems are there. And Laura's going to play the piano and so make your way over to communion. You can take it at the station or take it where you're seated. I'm going to pray and we'll enter into a time of communion. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your son who is relevant to our lives in every way. Father, as we come to you right now, Help us not, as uh, Paul writes, to eat or drink condemnation upon ourselves, to take part in communion in an unworthy manner, but help us to just pour our lives over to you, to confess our sin. You know we're sinners and we know we're sinners, and so that's not an obstacle, Father. Help us to be 
renewed in you to be refocused in you that you would be relevant in every part of everything that we do we ask this in Jesus name and amen